Welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice. There's no acceptable alternative if you want a plan to live well and on your terms. Complete financial advice equals complete peace of mind. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to episode 7, where we're going to talk today about the top 7 biggest concerns clients have when preparing for retirement with Larry Heller. Larry, hello, how are you today, sir? I am doing terrific, Matt. How are you? I am doing well myself. So these are the top seven things you hear from clients on a regular basis. Let's dive right in because I think our audience is going to see themselves in some of these questions. You know, absolutely. So over the years, we've met with hundreds of clients and trying to just cull some of the consistency between what I've been asked. So really, the first question that we kind of get asked is, when can I stop working or when can I slow down and maybe work part-time? Part That's probably the number one question that, that I'm asked. And, and there's a few things that you need to know about them. We've had a podcast, a previous podcast on the four pillars of your complete financial house, which I go through this in a lot more detail. But basically trying to figure out where you are in life, where you want to be in life, how much assets you have, how much income you're going to need in retirement and how much your expenses are going to be in retirement and all trying to figure out when is that day where I can somewhere in the future work less or work not at all. Something that you bring to the table that I think is unique and interesting is that first thing that you just said about when can I stop working you take the client through a visualization process on really how to build this house with those four pillars. That gives them the opportunity to figure out when they can stop working, but not just that, but what they're going to retire to. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, you know, It's painting a picture of where they're going to be and what their life is going to be about. And it helps to keep them on track from where they are today if they have 10 years or more or less, they can now start being motivated to get to where they want because they can visualize what their next, what I call their second act in life is going to be. Well, let's move to the second act with question number two here, which is really talking about their income or what retirement is going to look like from a financial standpoint. Yeah. So once we've kind of figured out, okay, I can retire at, at a certain age or work less, you know, part of the fact that you have to kind of figure in is how much can I spend throughout my life that you've accumulated substantial amount of assets and some clients want to die broke, die with zero amount and leave nothing to the heirs. Other people want to leave money to their children or their grandchildren. But for the most part, people want to make sure that they're not going to outlive their money and how much can they spend. So, you know, there's a lot of factors. It's not an exact science in that because... We don't know how long you're going to live. You need to really figure out how much you're going to spend in retirement. A lot of studies out there say, well, when you retire, you can spend 80% of what you are while you're working. And we found that's just the exact opposite. In the first 10 years, you actually spend more. So figuring out how much you spend, determining what your investment returns are going to be, um, that, that's kind of arbitrary, but it depends upon a 1% change in the investment returns could be a difference of whether you outlive your money or you don't. 
calculating inflation. You know, historically, inflation has been between two and three percent. Right now, it's kind of low, but the cost of milk today is not going to be the same thing 20 years from now. So you have to factor that in. Um, taxes. You have to kind of know what you're going to be paying for in taxes. So it's not just the amount of money you're earning. It's the amount of money that you're keeping. And tax reform may be coming. So that may change things. Social Security. When should you take it? Some of the strategies you can take. Uh, and there are, you know, other things as well, determining how much you're going to need for possible big ticket purchases or emergency funds. So there are a lot of different factors to figure out and how to determine how much you will not, how you not outlive your assets during retirement. Now, this is a process of discovery, though, right? This isn't one of those things that's just a super quick punch in a couple of numbers into a calculator and kerblanky, you know, all of these different categories. How do you figure that out? What sort of process do you have to tease out all of those factors that need to be considered? Yeah. So, you know, in the discovery stage, like you said, you need to kind of go through these, especially expenses. A lot of people don't have an idea of what they spend. It's very surprising that people have an idea, but they don't know exactly what they spend. And a difference in a few thousand dollars each year compounded over 25, 30 years is a big difference. So, you need to spend some time figuring out what you're going to be spending and you need to ascertain all your assets, all your investments, so to determine exactly where you're going to be. And that takes some time. And we there are retirement calculators. Now, there are some out there that have quick retirement calculators. And we've looked at these when clients have come in the door and they say, well, you're going to live to 100 and you'll have $25 million, but they don't figure, they don't have the, the depth of some of these other factors that have to be factored in. And a good retirement calculator will have probabilities and will do historical analysis that we use. We use a, a retirement calculator that gives us a probability because, again, it's not an exact science because no one knows exactly what's going to happen. If you retired in 2007, your projections are a lot different than if you retired in 2009 because of the 2008 correction. So it's not only it's a upfront planning it's a year by year looking at this, making sure that you're on track. And then when you're in retirement, looking at it each year and making sure that you stay the course. It's a very in-depth analysis that needs to be done and checked along the way. Social security is one of the bigger questions I hear from people who are getting to the retirement age. They ask questions a lot, and, and there's been some massive te- ch- changes in what you can do with social security. How do you help them figure out when they should start taking social security? Yeah. So again, there, there's also a mindset in Social Security that as soon as you can receive, you're eligible for Social Security, you think of it as as free money. So, so you can take it at 62, but there are reductions in the benefits and there are tax ramifications if you're still working. But most people, when they get to full retirement age, automatically say, "Okay, I want to take it now at full retirement age because it's free. It's free money." And there's a few things that need to be point you know, pointing out one, by delaying to age 70, the benefits are growing by 8%. I don't know where you can get an 8% return right now with no risk, but by delaying your social security to age 70, you are able to get that 8%. So, but some people say, well, I need the social security in my earlier years before 70 to live on. So what we look at that, we talk about a present value of an asset 
of your Social Security, present value of the Social Security income stream, and compare that to another asset, and maybe it's beneficial beneficial to spend down the principal of another asset and delaying your Social Security at age 70. It's still the same money. It's just taking it from one pocket rather than the other pocket. And it's a very difficult concept for clients to grasp when we start. But it's very important to, to look at that because it not only will have greater amount of Social Security, if depending upon how long you live, and that's another factor that comes into play here. People think they're going to live longer, definitely re- delaying to age 70. But it's also calculated on a spousal benefit. Not only does it increase your benefit, but if one of the spouses has a much lower benefit, if the higher earning spouse passes away, you're going to lose one of those spousal benefits. So maximizing the, the larger amount will help when the first spouse would pass away if that does happen at an earlier age. So we can spend a whole podcast just talking about the differences in Social Security. I mean, there is other special rules that have been changed, but the one is still around if you are over 62 by December of 2015. There are some strategies in place that we can talk about on how to maximize your returns um, now and at age 70. And then there are also special rules if you're divorced and, and widowed and, you know, coordinating the Social Security benefits with other assets. So one of the interesting parts about delaying Social Security age 70, if you happen to retire, I'm just going to say at age 67, and you delay to age 70 and you're not required to take your minimum beneficiary distribution from your IRA to age 70, you may have a few years where your taxable income is very low. And there are some strategies that you can do instead of waiting to eat 70 to take the money out of your IRA. Maybe you take a little bit out earlier and that bracket that you take it out will be in a much lower tax bracket than if you wait to eat 70 when you're required to take more money out of your IRA and more with your Social Security. Whether you need it to live on it or possibly do a conversion to a Roth, there are strategies that come into place uh, before you take your Social Security and looking at your different tax brackets is very important. Gotcha. Well, we should probably do an entire podcast on Social Security, collecting Social Security and some of the techniques that you work with and use with your clients because that is such a hot topic, especially if there are going to be more tax code changes. I know that you're going to be really on top of that. So that was number three. What's number four? So number four, are my investments properly allocated for a successful retirement? So there is a, a whole different way and, you know, as to work with retirees is much different mindset in retirement than you are before, before you retire. I don't care how much money you have. When you're earning money and you look at your retirement and your investment portfolio and you see some fluctuations due to the stock market, yeah, you're a little, you're not happy about it, but you know that you have time before you need to draw the money out. When you're retired and there's no more money coming in the door there and there's money going out from your investment portfolio, when you have a decline in your investment portfolio, you tend to look at it a little bit differently and be a little bit more concerned about that. So you need to put up together a portfolio that's structured correctly 
So you don't have that feeling of what's going to happen when we have a market correction. Now, it's been nine years since we've had a market correction, but one of these days we will, and you need to protect your portfolio and have a game plan set up. Again, we can do a whole podcast on this, but we do what's called a, a, you know, a bucket strategy investment for allocation for our retirees, where you have one to three years in a no-risk cash type of investment, a three to 10-year bucket in a medium risk investment strategy, and a 10-year bucket for longer term. Because even if you're retiring at 65, you're still going to live 25, 30 years, so you'd still have longer term buckets in your retirement. So putting together an investment portfolio for that strat- for that time frame for retirees is much different than it is for somebody that's still in accumulation phase. I know we can't predict when the next recession is going to be, but historically they're hitting about every 10 years. Is that a fair statement? Uh, that's a fair statement. The S&P historically has gone up seven out of every 10 years. About 66% of the time, the S&P has gone up. So we haven't had a down year in the S&P since 2008. So that's nine years. Mm-hmm. So again, just looking at the numbers, we're due for a correction on the S&P, but who knows? Yeah. Nobody really knows when that's going to happen. Well, and if somebody did know, they'd be an incredibly wealthy person. I have a strong feeling. So so that was number four, making sure your investments are properly allocated for a successful retirement. Now, you just talked a little bit about the bucket strategy because you were just talking about where different monies will be taken from. Is is that where we're at with number five? Yeah. So, so number five, again, bo- both of these four and five kind of, you know, have an impact and there's an overlap in this, just so on a complete financial house, there's always an overlap between the different stages, different floors there. So four is really how the alloc- how the portfolio is allocated. Five is really more from which assets should I draw it down from. So clients come in, they have an IRA, they may have a 401k, they may have a joint account, they have an individual account, they have you know taxable accounts which are qualified uh, qualified assets versus non qualified assets. And the non-qualified assets you've already paid taxes on where the qualified assets you haven't. So which assets do you draw down from? And each one of these assets might have been invested differently. Uh, and the non-qualified assets have what's called gains on the, on the taxable gains. So there could be a tax basis on that. So looking at the all the different investments that you have and trying to figure out how to minimize your taxes is extremely important. Mm-hmm. And then also co- coordinating that with your fixed income streams, either the Social Security, if you're lucky to have a, a pension, a pension. so determine how much you need to draw down from each one of your investments. So, And do you just look to maximize income or do you actually draw down principal and how is that coordinated with with taxes? So, yeah, it, it does. You know, this is also part of the bucket strategy here in question five as well as question four. Gotcha. Now, how many people are you running into who have a pension anymore? That seems to be more rare than it did, let's say, 20, 25 years ago. Is, is that fair? Well, I mean, two things. Yeah, it is definitely more rare. I mean, right now, probably teachers and anyone that works for a union still have those benefits. Outside of that, corporations have gotten away from that, although we are seeing some smaller businesses and some professionals 
that are actually putting some of these cash balance plans back into place as business has improved. But for the most part, most corporations have, you know, don't have those pensions any, anymore. Uh, and, and the ones that do have pensions, you've got to look at the difference alternatives on how you take the pensions, whether you take it as a life only or a joint survivor option. So that's very, you know, that's very important. Very important. Yeah. Number six talks about people's homes, and we've heard on many, many podcasts, and I'm sure people have heard on the the news, that your home a lot of times is your largest asset. What do you tell your clients when they're preparing for retirement when it comes to their home? Well, we, we try to, you know, not include their home as part of their retirement because they want to, you're going to live someplace you can't spend the walls during, during retirement. So part of the planning, and this goes all the way back to the discovery stages and the mindset that we talked about in step one, is where are you going to be? Are you going to move to another state and sell the home and therefore have more money from the sale of the home if you're downsizing to a lower priced house? Or if you're not, and it is the biggest asset, and you want to use the money from that, you know, keep your mortgage or take your take a mortgage so you can live off some of that money that's in your house. So, you know, those are some of the things that need to come into, you know, come into play. And if you have a mortgage, should you pay the mortgage off if you are have enough investable assets outside to meet your retirement wishes. So, you know, there's two factors that I tell people is the financial factor and it's the sleep factor. Mm-hmm. Everybody sleeps a lot better if they don't have a mortgage. <laughs> uh, that's a good point, man. So, so if you can get to that point, that's great. But then if you have, like I said, if you have hundreds of thousands or a million dollars in a in a house that you're not going to be able to tap into, do you then lower the quality of your life outside? And every situation is unique. And we spend a lot of time going through this and determining this before we even start a financial plan because the house, in a lot of instances, is such a substantial part of their you know, portfolio. Gotcha. So let's, uh, let's go through. I'm going to review the first six because we're already into number seven. Number one was, when can I stop working? Number two is, how much money can I spend in retirement and not outlive my assets? Number three is, when should I start collecting Social Security? Number four, are my investments properly allocated for a successful retirement? Number five, which assets should I draw down from in retirement? Number six is, what should I do with my home? So to close this out of the top seven biggest concerns that your clients have when preparing for retirement, what is number seven. So number seven is how do I protect myself if I get sick during retirement? So uh, steps one through six are always the fun parts to kind of talk about, especially if it's doable. Step seven gets a little dicey because nobody really wants to think about that. And it's interesting, clients who have had parents that, that have gone through an illness, a long, especially a long-term illness in either assisted living facility or a nursing home, are definitely much more interested in how to protect themselves than not luckily have not had parents go go through this. So sometimes we actually bring this up and say, oh, this is great. Your retirement plan is working terrific. It's going to, you're not going to outlive your life, your money. You're going to be able to enjoy the lifestyle that you want. However, if one of you were to have a long-term illness, 
there could be a problem. Some people think that long-term illness and care is covered under Medicare, which is not correct. So how do you protect against that? Uh, do you purchase a long-term care insurance policy? We have some clients that are luckily enough financially are well enough that they're able to take a certain amount of their assets and we've created a separate investment um, portfolio and we've labeled that that long-term care portfolio. Nice. So the, it's gotten invested, invested differently and hopefully, you know, that will grow. And if they need a long-term care, it'll come out of that pot of money. If they don't, that money will go to their, to their heirs. So there are some strategies in there. And then also, you know, later in life, you know, there, there is, and there are some social issues concerned about this, but, you know, can you make your investments and your all your assets eligible for Medicaid? Now, it's state by state, so it differs from every state. But in, in New York, a lot of people have done these the asset protection trusts or given money to their to their children. There are some look back, five year look back rules, but there are some of these trusts that could be created that after five years would then not be subject to Medicare calculations and could be allowed to be eligible for Medicaid somewhere down the road. Sure. Well, these are questions that I'm sure a lot of our listeners have crossed their mind, right? These are things that are the biggest concerns and the biggest things that weigh heavily on their mind. I would really like it, Larry, if we could dive into some more of these a little bit deeper, especially the uh, the allocation in the bucket thing that you were talking about, and then also making sure we're diving a little bit deeper into Social Security, because I know that uh, those are going to be well listened to, and there's going to be a lot of people who are going to share those with their friends and family, because those are humongous concerns. Any other closing thoughts before we wrap up episode number seven? No, if you look at all these, these seven questions, you can get a feel of what you should start thinking about as you get closer to retiring right. And not only will you know where you're at, but you're also going to get a better idea on what Larry's team does, how they do it for you and the level of detail that they are looking for when they're talking to you. Because when you're really diving deep and, and helping a client create their vision for their future that not only changes your financial plan, but that will also change your relationship with your advisor. Thank you all very much, and we'll see you again very soon.